The following audio session was recorded live at the 2017 Region 2 Convention in Costa Mesa, California. Please visit oar2.org for information about the 2018 convention in Sacramento and to get links for more convention recordings. Thank you for listening. And welcome to the Unloading Cargo Workshop, our panel. My name is Christian, and I'm a compulsive reader, and, our, and, your, and I guess I'm the kind of moderator for the workshop. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we begin, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic equipment be turned off or put on silent. Um, even if you think it's off, please check again. The opinions expressed here today are those of the individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. OA members are reminded when sharing to, spe when sharing, to speak to your recovery in the program of Overeaters Anonymous only. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed except for the one we're doing. Um, if there is press in the room, please do not take any unauthorized pictures or identify anyone using their full name. There will, there will be audio recordings of this workshop, which you may order outside in the foyer. This workshop will have speakers followed by an ask it basket for questions. The topic for the session is uh, the burden of having to lose 100 or more pounds or having lost 100 or more pounds or maybe losing 100 pounds and still having more to lose. <laughs> Uh, let's welcome, well, let's welcome me. <laughs> I'm, what a narcissist. I could be a total narcissist. It's great. Um, let's welcome Christian um, as our first speaker. Good morning. I'm Christian, a compulsive overeater. <laughs> um, I, I, my goodness. Uh, I'll I qualify. My top weight is um, 510 pounds. I, uh, I was joking earlier saying I drive a, I drive a Miata now. I, it's one of our cars. I drive a Miata, and now I fit into it. Now I love driving it. But before, it was really, really difficult to drive uh, because I, I couldn't fit. And luckily, my primary car is actually a, a, a Ford Explorer, a big old Ford Explorer. So that wasn't so bad. But I just giggled and laughed that I couldn't, couldn't drive this little car, and now I love it. And it gets such great mileage compared to my car. Um, kind of funny, that's how my body works too. The less weight I've had on me, the better the mileage. Um, I, um, I've been in program for 13 years. Um, I have 12 years of back-to-back -back abstinence. I just recently released um, my sponsor that I started the program with. Um, my story is I came, moved down to L.A. for work, and uh, thank God my job brought me down here. I hated L.A. Like, I was one of those North I was born and raised in Northern California, so everyone in Northern California has a real opinion about L.A. Oh, you take our water, you take, you know, you take our water, you fill your pools, we see your fountains, yet we're dry fountains, no pools filled, and we have a thing called Aquahawk, where these people, like, watch you in your yard, to, and you get in trouble with the city. So, yeah, I had real negative views, and I really didn't want to come down here. But, of course, also, that was pre-programmed. So everything, my view was always negative. I was a victim of everything, including a job that wanted to keep me so bad that they spent $30,000 to move me down to L.A. comfortably and with no effort on my part. But I still found things wrong with that. You know, oh, you moved me into a Cracker Box apartment. Oh, unbelievable. How my brain worked amazes me <laughs> before I came into the program. I, I look back now, and I go, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back to that 
for all the tea in China or all the food somewhere else. I don't know. <laughs> Seems like food's getting pretty bad around the world. I keep seeing reports on all that. But I, um, I came into the rooms. The first meeting I went to in L.A. was uh, a big book study in the log cabin in West Hollywood, where right now it's insane because it's Pride weekend. And uh, I walk in. This 500-pound man walks in, and I see all these women, about 40 women, in a beautiful circle. Perfect circle. I remember it was perfect circle. And they're reading from this book. And I'm like, oh, what are they doing? And so I come in, and I plop myself down in the back of the room. A very typical pattern there. And by the grace of God, these wonderful people in this meeting welcomed me, did not ask me to leave, because this was a women's focus meeting. <laughs> Men should not have been there. And because it was, and this is my thinking before program, and very self-centered thinking, because it was West Hollywood, I assumed it must, this must be the gay meeting. And I was wrong. So wrong. <laughs> so wrong. But, you know, how kind are these were these women to let me sit in. And I was angry. I was huffing, like, it was cafawing a lot in the back. You know, I didn't want to read the book. I'm like, why are we reading this stupid book? And now I've read it multiple times, cover to cover. It's, um, that's how I kind of started in L.A. And then I didn't find my sponsor at that meeting. And so I gave, I gave I've heard this story a lot from other people. I gave instructions to God. Even though God was my enemy, we were in mortal combat, um, I, I didn't believe he had my back, I didn't believe anything about that, I had a very uh, horrible view that God was punishing me. Because I'm a victim. I was a total victim. You know, even God was victimizing me. And so I um, said, I, have, I want the meeting to be within a mile and a half of where I'm living, which was on Sentinella back then. Um, and I need it to be, uh, I need to, there needs to be a gay male speaker and there needs to be, um, oh, I was very specific, too. <laughs> and I go, and it needs to be, uh, I need to be able to find it super easy on the web so I could get directions. Went online, found it right away. I lived in, on Sentinella. It was, a, it was the Westchester 100-pounders meeting. Didn't know it was a 100-pounders meeting back then. And, um, and when I got there, it was a gay male speaker who became my sponsor for, the la for this last 13 years. Um, he, when I walked in there, this woman, Elizabeth, who I, to this day, I don't know where you are, Elizabeth, but I love you. She broke something in me in the, in the best possible way. I walked up, and they have a greeter at that meeting. Not every meeting does a greeter, but they had a greeter, and she was it that night. And she's a vigorous greeter. So she, she got me in this bear hug. And, you know, 500 plus pounds, you know, I just, I didn't like looking at myself in the mirror. I didn't like me, so why would I want you to touch me? I don't even want to touch me. And I didn't. And she got me in this bear hug. And I was, at first, I'm like being polite. Uh, and she just kept holding me and kept holding me. It's like God knew. Like, my higher power knew I needed that. And, but she gave me, she would not let go. I even put my arms down and went limp. And she still had me. And I'm like wiggling a little bit. Like, I need to get, this is like very uncomfortable for me. I don't hug people like this. And I do now. But I didn't. And so she, something inside of me clicked. I literally felt like a click. I almost felt like she broke a rib, but it didn't hurt. It just clicked. And something broke down in me right before that meeting that needed to be switched or break down so that I could actually hear the leader's story. And I could sit in that meeting 
and take not maybe a cleansing breath back then, but just take a breath and like stop judging every single person in the room. Because I was an expert. That was one of my master skills. I was a master. I could teach master classes on reading other people, or as they say, or judging other people and, oh, this and oh, that and this. But it's just because I felt crappy about myself. So that was a, a very vain event, a very poor way to try and get myself to feel better about me. Um, thankfully, I uh, went from there. I actually was on a weight. I lost a little weight. But then that first year was all smoke and mirrors. And as I call it, my year of smoke and mirrors. And I actually was in Greece when I lost my, ap- my first abstinence. And luckily, it's the only abstinence that I lost. And it was um, where I'm sitting in beautiful Mykonos with my friend who's an alcoholic. And I had ordered a drink. And it was this ugly color. And it was disgusting. I'm not a drinker anyway. And he had ordered this dessert. And he thought it was disgusting. And we're sitting across from each other. You know, new, new, newbies in our programs, newbies with our abstinence and sobriety. And he looks up and he goes, do you want this? Because it's disgusting. And I'm all, well, yeah, it looks delicious to me. And I go, do you want this drink? It's horrible. We literally switched and lost our sobriety and abstinence in the same, in the same moment. He had lost a couple years. I lost, I, oh, I had surrendered a fake year. You know, I actually think I gained quite a bit of weight that first year. But, you know, I thought I was fooling everyone. I would go to Serenity Sunday, which is a very big meeting in L.A. in the park. And I would get up and I'd say all the right things that I thought needed to be said. I mean, I've had old timers walk up to me now and they go, oh, I remember when you came in. You were such a phony, so full of so full of BS. And it was painful to watch you. Thanks. (laughs) Am I still painful to watch and and listen to? And no. No, 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 no. Now you got it. You got it. You got some God. You got some emotional recovery. You're good. And they talk like, I don't know why they all seem to have that tonality, uh, at least in my head when I hear it. But they're, they're so loving. And they're loving and caring. And I love that we're in a fellowship where people can be honest with you. Like when I ask, if I ask someone in the, room, in the rooms, when I go to a meeting, if I'm feeling insecure, so I need someone, and I go, do I look horrible? And they say, no, you look great. I believe you. Because anyone in these rooms knows we've been lied to enough. We've lied to ourselves enough. So when we're in the freaking meeting, if someone asks me that, I'm honest with them. Now, if they don't, I'll say, mm, I think we could use a little work. <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm, I'll be honest, but I won't, I'll be lovingly honest, not like cruel. I, <laughs> don't ask me again. Um, but I, I love, I, I don't frequently have to do that. But I do, I love that the, there's an honesty in the rooms that I trust no one would, there, why would anyone deceive? We've done plenty of that. We're all master at, masters at deceiving ourselves and, and what we think others. Most of the time we didn't. I'm shocked how many of my friends were never fooled by any of my, my shenanigans I pulled. Um, I had a plateau for quite a few, quite a bit of my recovery. I was in a weight plateau. I couldn't, I wasn't gaining, but I wasn't losing. And I thought I was on a losing abstinence. Now, what I eat now, <laughs> I was not on a losing abstinence. <laughs> But I thought I was, because it was all I was willing to do. I find that I have had steps of willingness have been my greatest challenge in program. How much am I willing to surrender to my higher power and say, okay, I can live without this. I can live without that. I can live without white sugar. I can live without white flour. And in today's world, it's actually not so challenging. But 12 years ago, it was a little more challenging. And then before that... Anyone who was off that, God bless you, because that's, that's amazing. There wasn't much, weren't a lot of options at one time. But 
thankfully there are. And it's just being willing to give it up. And then a lot of times I found now at 12 years, I'm, able, I'm, I'm, and that's not even advanced. That's just, I feel like I'm just, like I said, a teenager. I'm, I'm not even a teenager yet. But that I, I surrender things and I still get a little pissy. I still get angry about it. I'll still be like, I'll have like a week, like when I've surrendered something, I'll be like, you know, because I'll think about that thing all the time because that's the obsession. That's the disease. But the difference is I have the recovery to counter that. So I know I don't have to go to it. I know I can just be angry, share it with my sponsor, share it with my fellows, go to meetings and be remind, hear how other people are pissed off about what they're, how the road's getting narrower and narrower. And also as I've gotten older, I'm not that old, but I'm, I'm, I'm 47. So I'm not a spring chicken anymore either. And I my and Lord knows I've always said I have a slow metabolism and maybe that's true. Maybe it's not, but I could say, um, the road has definitely got food wise, got very narrow. Um, I, uh, plateaued for quite a few years and then I finally decided I need to, I need to do something. And it was right around the time coincidentally, and I don't believe in coincidence. So I'll say it was, it was my higher powers plan when action became one of our things, it became one of my things. I started to absorb the action. I do Zumba uh, four, three to four days a week. Um, and I'm, <laughs> I'm one of the crazy people who go right up front and know the routines and have fun. I, I have a lot of fun with it. And I love my instructor. She's like this energy thing of energy. And she's older. She's in her mid fifties and she looks like she's younger than me, like way younger than me. So i Whatever you're doing, girl works. And she has such high energy. And I never thought I'd say, I enjoy exercising. I never thought I'd find an exercise. Because I was the person who, I had a gym membership for decades. And I just was paying the money for this gym. They loved me. They're like, oh, he never uses any of our facilities. And he just keeps paying. And it's a good price. It's a very cheap price compared to what they charge today. But come on. How many thousands and tens of thousands of dollars have I spent on a membership I never used? Now, they're, they're, now they see me and they're like, oh, hey, Chris. like the fact they know my name. At the, like I could walk in, they're like, oh, hey, Christian, good morning. And I'm like, wow. Before I'd walk in, they'd be like, one moment, is it still active? Is your membership still active? <laughs> they're all typing in. Can you give a thumbprint? And <laughs> it was crazy. So I, it's a blessing to have the willingness to move, to get my body to move, because I love sitting. TV, sitting, my favorite activity in the world. Still is today. But now when I see people jogging by my, my house or something, I, don't, I used to always feel guilty. I used to feel that pang of shame, that pang of guilt, because I'm sitting there usually eating something and watching TV. Now I just watch I don't necessarily eat anything when I'm in front of the TV because that's been a really, that's a really bad trigger for me. And it doesn't work out well for me usually because whatever I have, I'll finish, and it, whether I'm supposed to or not. And so I just watch TV now. And when I see the people moving around, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't bug me at all because they're moving. I already did my exercise for the day. I don't have to feel shame. Now, that's a little bit of comparing myself to others, which I try not to do, but I'm not perfect. It's going to happen. And it's just fun to be able to say, I already did my exercise. Glad you all run in the afternoon heat. And you think I was in the afternoon heat. <laughs> I always, whenever I share now, I always get all like, it looks like I worked out. Um, I call it the sweat of truth. Um, <laughs> Because, boy, I tell you, lying, I'd be cool as a cucumber. But st- telling the truth and to anyone, woo, telling your truth is something else. <laughs> um, just a- about two years ago, the weight started coming down. Um, I, started, I started eating a lot more. <laughs> I started eating a lot more vegetables. I stopped eating all processed foods, almost all processed foods. Like Now my body doesn't even tolerate it. If there's something processed, I, I, I will not feel well, and sometimes I'll even get sick. So it's, 
it's crazy. I never thought I'd have a body that did that. But my body craves, like, I, I'll go, my partner will go, what do you want to eat? And I'll go, hmm. I go, I feel like a big salad. And he'll be like, what a shock, a big salad. Woo, let's go somewhere. He goes, I guess we can go anywhere then and I want to go and we'll get a big, you can get a big salad. Um, and, you know, it's funny. My, my therapist says, oh, that, that's sabotage. You know, he's sabotaging you. And I go, you know, it's not coming from any place negative. It's just, I understand. He's not a compulsive overeater. So for a normie, it's like, why do you always crave a salad? A, and not a salad, a big salad. I don't always finish the big salad, but in my head, it still has to be a big salad because it's, it's lettuce and carrots and, and cucumbers. I mean, come on. I can do that. And, um, and then, you know, now I just use, like, I'll get the dressing. And I do what I remember I used to see Weight Watchers do. That uh, you dip the fork, just the tip of the fork in, and then you fork some of the lettuce. Just have crazy, but I do that now. And it's normal for me. That's <laughs> normal. This crazy compulsive overeater who I used to eat 50,000 calories a day to maintain, well, to maintain 500 plus pounds, you have to eat a lot of calories. And that person now dips his fork, not to impress anyone, not for any program, just for me to do it. I get to do that. So I'll get down to the emotional recovery came with repairing a lot of my relationships, including the relationships with my parents, which was very contentious. Um, then my, my spiritual recovery came when I finally created a higher power of my own making. My sponsor looked at me when I was complaining about that and goes, it's of your own making. Why are you, you don't have to be willing. It's your own making. Create whatever you want. Make it, you know, Darth Vader or whatever you need him to be, it to be. It could be dust in the air, whatever makes you happy. But it's of your, so stop procrastinating. Stop whining and just create something. It just can't be you because you have failed. You are a complete and total failure when it comes to being a god. You failed. You're 500 pounds. You're coming into these rooms. You're going to meetings. He goes, you have failed. But you can succeed when you start accepting the fact that you are not the alpha and the omega. And he said that. And he was, he's a great guy, but he, was, he knows when to be harsh with me. He knows when to put the foot down. And he did. And I did. And I said, well, you know, I still use the word god, but I... I don't have any type of a religious attachment to it. It's just the word I grew up with, so it's comfortable for me. But my higher power, pretty amazing. I get to talk to, I get to, talk to it. I get to uh, yell and scream in my car at it. I've cried in my car with my higher power. I've screamed obscenities that people, makes people's hair turn gray. You know, or well, my hair is turning gray, so <laughs> I guess it, me, my hair turned gray. But, um, and I have that freedom because I know my, my higher power, I say, is omnipotent. So... Anything I'm thinking, if I'm thinking cuss words, it doesn't matter. I'm going to say it. There's no lack of respect because it's, it's respectful to be honest. And it, lo- it gives me an outlet. And it's an outlet I never knew I needed. Like they say, you know, the spiritual malady, it's a hole in your, it's a hole in your being, a hole in, hole in your spirit. And I never understood that till I filled it in. And I'm like, wow, it isn't all up to me. I have someone else I can blame this all on. <laughs> and it works for me. That really has worked well. Um, I, my total weight loss at this point is 273 pounds. Um, I have, uh, I, um, I, uh, that's God's work. Well, it's my action, but God's work. Cause there, I left, I, when I work out, I leave the results to God. I didn't, I let go of the expectation. Like I'm going to look like that person, you know, Mr. Six pack. <laughs> that ain't happening uh, without some skin being removed. But you know, that is, I wanted to be that person. Now I'm like, I'm just going there and I work out cause I feel good. And I leave there going, I've done it. 
I'm done for the day. That's my greatest joy. I love it when I get to leave the gym and I don't have to go back. I'm like, I'm done. I did the workout. I enjoy it, but I'm still really happy when I get to go home and I could sit and be lazy. And that's why I could, I could go to work and be lazy and it's okay. So I enjoy, um, not lazy with work, but lazy with physical activity. Like someone says, we're taking the stairs. Have fun. I'm taking the elevator. Uh, I do Zumba so I don't have to take, take stairs anywhere. <laughs> and that's like, that's the joy. I get joy from my life now. I get joy every day. I get to live in my abstinence. I get a joy. I'm happier than I've ever been. I'm doing things I never, I'm traveling like crazy. I fit into airline seats now. I don't have to ask for extensions anymore. Um, in fact, I have like seven or eight inches of belt, which is kind of crazy. Like I never thought that would ever happen. Um, I still have moments when I think I'm, I, I think I'm still the 500-pound man because I don't think that goes away really easy because it's many times I feel like, like I fell in Texas. I've never had an uncontrolled fall in my life, so it's been very blessed, 47 years. But I'm walking, and a bug came out, and it looked like it was going to sting me, and it was gigantic because it's Texas. And, and it, it's like, it sounded like a helicopter, and it came at my head. And I screamed like a little girl and ran into the street, and I didn't realize there was a driveway so I, I lost my balance. I started running like a turtle and, or like, all, like a sitting position. It was very weird and it all went slow motion. And I thought, in the slow motion, I thought, is this how it felt when my mom fell uncontrollably as I'm falling? And I kept thinking, you need to right yourself. You need to get your balance. And my brain went, hmm. I, like, it didn't react the way my, my other part of my consciousness was. And I fell really hard in the middle of the street. Thank God there were no cars coming and it wasn't a busy street. And thank God there were no other spectators other than my partner who was, l- <laughs> who was laughing very loud and very hard, like almost crying um, because I screamed like a girl and ran from a bug. And he grew up in Texas. So this is normal to him. Me, that's normal in California for me, a little tiny fly or a little tiny beetle, not these like hovering things with stingers that want to fly at my head. So I'm, I had that fall and I realized, you know, and I, as like, once I hit the ground a couple times, cause I kind of hit the ground, rolled over and hit again. Um, and I'll wrap up the, uh, the thought that went through my mind was, boy, you know, if I were heavier, this wouldn't hurt as bad. And then, and then, which is not true, because if I was heavier, I would have hit way harder, and it probably would have hurt something else a lot more. But I just felt, and I go, in that moment, I thought, the big fat guy fell. The fat guy fell. You know, the guy can't have his balance because he's fat, because everyone assumes a heavy person has no balance or coordination, which is not true. Like I said, 47 years, I didn't have an uncontrolled fall, and then once I lose the weight, then I fall. I love that. Um, but that's what, that's what happened, and that went through my head, and it took me about three days to release that. Even talking to my sponsor and talking to fellows, I just, it took me a few days to release it because it never happened. But I'm so grateful for this program because I was able to let it go. I shared it at multiple meetings so it wasn't a secret. And it was embarrassing, but it wasn't a secret. And that's the blessing of this program. I get to live in recovery. I get to live with joy. I get to live with the good and the bad. And I live through it. I don't survive it. Thank you. Uh, my name is Jackie. I'm a compulsive reader. Hi, everybody. That was a, a funny story. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us and making us laugh. It was pretty great. Um, oh, I wish I had a funny story like that. Um, anyway, 
So I've been in a program for over six years now. Um, my highest weight was 400 pounds and, um, I've lost over 200. Um, thank you. <laughs> I, I always want to wait till the end to share that, but like, I just want you guys to get it. Like, cause looking at me, you don't know that, you know, like I usually have my pictures, but, and it's really exciting to share, you know? And, and like, like Christian said, it's not my job. It was just, it, God did that for me. You know, um, I, I had no idea I had that much to lose. I honestly was like, I had an image problem because I, there were days I'd look in the mirror and be like, I look good. And then there's days I'd be like, oh my God, I'm never leaving the house, you know? And like, it, it was, I had a distorted image of myself. So when I found out how much I lost, I was like, really? Like, that's like a whole grown man, you know? Like, I, don't, I didn't know that I had that in me, you know? Um, anyway, so I'm originally from New Jersey and I'm a middle child and this is what it was like. Um, and I, was craving food from the age of three. Like I just wanted more everything and, um, I was always hungry. And so my weight was a problem when I was younger. Um, I saw my first nutritionist when I was eight years old and she gave me this diet that I hated because I wanted to be just normal and eat like the normal, like what everyone else was eating. But I had to eat like this healthy food and I started hating dieting, you know, but it would work when it started working. I would like it when I started seeing like the the uh, results of it. When I'd start losing weight, I started to get addicted to it, you know, and um, like along with the food. So yeah, I struggled with my weight for ever, and um, I had a lot of um, police officers in my life to police my food, like my nutritionist, my parents, and my older brother who teased me all the time and. Um, and I was also teased in middle school and high school and I just hated myself and I hated how I looked and I decided that I, no one was ever going to love me or I was never going to be able to do anything great in my life if I was overweight. Like that was just what I decided. That was it. I nailed like nail in the coffin, last nail in the coffin. That was my like fate, you know? Um, so when I got my driver's license, when I was, um, in high school, that was kind of like where the freedom started. Um, not the freedom I have today, the freedom with doing whatever I want, you know? Um, and I, um, <clears throat> I, like I said, I was always hungry. I would leave school feeling uncomfortable and I would go to my favorite fast food restaurants and stock up on food, eat in my car and then eat it really fast till I get, before I got home. And like stuff it under the the passenger seat, and um, then be able to go home and eat a meal with my family, and then eat a meal after that too when everyone was asleep. Like that was that was kind of what I did up until I left for college, um, and that was like even more freedom for me. I um, there are like places on campus that were open twenty four hours, twenty four seven. So I was hungry twenty four seven. So you know. Um, I think I was about 300 pounds at this point in college. I was tired. I was, I was depressed and barely made it through college. And, um, I just like, I, I didn't even want to walk to class. I was just tired and never did I think that like, oh, maybe I have a problem with food or maybe I have a problem with my weight. Like I just felt like it was like an outside thing that I needed to fix. So I needed a different boyfriend. I needed a different car. I needed different shoes. I needed, um, different medication, a different therapist or a different nutritionist or 
psychiatrist, whatever, blah, 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 fill in the blank. You know, like it was never, oh, maybe I'm the problem. <laughs> like maybe I'm like crazy and can't control like the intake of my food, you know? And, um, I got really, really depressed and, and, um, you know, all of those outside things I kept trying to change wasn't fixing this problem. And, um, I graduated college barely. And then I moved, I was living in Connecticut at the time. And I basically lived my life, um, as an agoraphobic, afraid to leave my home. Thank God I had a cat to keep me company. Um, and I just ate myself to almost death. And, um, like there were times where I tried to control my eating and just like they say in Alcoholics Anonymous, like we can't wait in this count attempts to prove we could like drink like other people. Like I tried so much to prove that I could drink or eat differently, you know, and I didn't need to be on a meal plan that I could do this on my own or I could figure out some kind of diet plan that works so I don't have to like work as hard. Like what is the easiest way to lose weight? Like I would look, look up ways to do it. Like I would, um, not eat all day and then binge at night. I'm like, okay, like that helped me maintain my weight for a while, but I was miserable. I was hungry. Do you know what happens when like a commercial reader is hungry? Like it is insane. And like, I was like doing drugs and drinking too. So I was crazy. Um, at one point I, um, I didn't eat all day and I, um, was taking psych meds and I don't know why I'm telling you guys a story, whatever (laughs) God wants me to tell you. Um, (laughs) and I stopped taking my psych medications and, and then kind of like a psychotic breakdown and cut all my hair off and like, like Britney Spears style. And like, this is what like heroin addicts do, you know, like this is what happens when I mess with my food and I cried because my hair was gone and it was as big as it is today. Like it was a lot of mess to clean up. It was like a massacre in my bathroom and, and I had to go into a psych hold for like a week and, and never ever did I like, was I honest about what was going on? You know, I never said like, I wake up and I want nothing more than to stuff my face with food the whole day. Um, I never talked about how the only dreams and aspirations I had were what, what my next meal was going to be. I never shared any of those things. And, you know, I didn't know that that was how my life was until I came to program and, and learned that that was not normal, but it's normal in these rooms, you know, and you guys all like, I'm sure relate to that. And I like, um, would try to stop the eating by throwing things in the garbage can, but that didn't stop me. I would go right into the garbage can and like, that's super shameful to say, but Hey, like, like I said, this is the room to say it, you know, um, I would eat spoiled food. I would order, there was this restaurant and I moved back to New Jersey before I got abstinent and there's this pizza restaurant and they have like this double extra large pizza. And if you eat the whole thing, you get a free t-shirt. And I had a lot of free (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts. A lot. And I thought it was so cool. And, you know, it's not that cool, you know. Um, I swear if I tried to do that today, I'd be, like, so dead. Um, and, yeah, I like – so I moved back to New Jersey and my life continued the same way. I would order food and pretend people were in my house because I was so ashamed of how what I was ordering. Um, I would go to the grocery store and every time they'd be like, oh, you're having a party? And I'm like, yes, I'm having a party. And it's a party of one, (laughs) but I wouldn't say that, you know, or one lady went one time, she goes, you know, you really shouldn't shop when you're hungry. I'm like, I'm always hungry. Okay. Like, don't, you don't know my life. (laughs) 
And so that's why I didn't want to leave my house because I just felt so much shame. And I was 400 pounds and I was uncomfortable. I couldn't sit, fit on airplanes. Um, I couldn't go on rides at the like the fair or whatever. And I like to do things sometimes, you know. I lived in New Jersey, so my mom and I would go to the city, New York City a lot and see plays. I couldn't sit in the chairs anymore. They literally were too small for me. And like that, like I, I saw this play – it was next to normal. I'm sure Ken knows about it. Um, and I, lit- I I couldn't sit in the chair. I was, like, falling over. And this is a, a play about, like, mental illness. And, like, I'm sitting there. Right, b- This is right before um, I came into program. I was cr- bawling, bawling, crying the entire show. And I just looked down at, my, at myself and I was like, uh, um, wh- what, like, what happened? You know, like, how did I get to this person that I am today. And, um, I couldn't stop crying. It was very sad. And I, um, finally reached a bottom and bless you. (laughs) Okay. And, um, I, I like called my mom one day and I said, mom, like, I think like I was supposed to have died a long time ago and like something happened in the universe and it kind of like, like I, I cheated death and I don't know why I'm here on this earth anymore. And like, Hearing that from your daughter is really damaging, and like I had no idea how that affected her until I came into recovery and and made an amends to her and all that. And you know, she swooped me up and helped me out, and she also like didn't know that food was my problem. Like I don't know, like she just thought a diet would help, like another Weight Watchers trip or you know any other um, diet company thing. Like Jenny Craig, like, I'm sorry. I ate all the food when when they gave it to me. Like, even though it was disgusting, I'm like, um, I'm eating all your food. It's not working. And they didn't ever ask me like, well, what days are you eating them? Like, (laughs) cause I eat them all in one day. Oh my God. Um, so much money, so much money drained down the drain with my binge food diet scams and therapists and all that. Um, you know, I'd have like trainers <clears throat> who would I would train like an hour with, and then I go binge for an hour, so that canceled it out. You know, um, like Christian was sharing, I'd have gym memberships, and I just kept. You know, they didn't know who I was. I was never there. I go to gym today, and they know my name too. I love that. They're like, "Hey, Jackie," and I'm like, "Hey," and it's like the third time I've been there that week. Oh my god, you know. So, um, yeah, like this was this was my life, and I I just. You know, I got sick of um, not having clothes I could wear, and I kept outgrowing every size. And I'm like, how how high does it go? You know, um, I really liked hanging out in my underwear, you know, because that's how I felt comfortable, um, which is why I decided to not leave my house towards the end of it. So anyway, I digressed. Um, I went to. Um, a treatment facility for emotional problems. Cause yes, I had emotional problems, but don't talk about my food. Like I'm going to fix my emotional problems and still eat the way I want to. Right. Like, um, but they're like, no, you have an eating disorder and, um, it's called binge eating disorder. You're like a pulsible reader, blah, 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 blah. And brought me to an OA meeting. Um, and I was like, really, is this, is this where my life has gone to an OA meeting? Um, the youngest person in the room, um, and the largest person in the room. And I was just like, um, it's so loud over there, right? Oh my God. Should I be louder? Okay. 
I don't know. I usually don't have a problem not being loud. Yeah. I, oh, whatever. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Okay. I'll, it's fine. I'm going to move over here. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to keep going. I'll just move over here. Okay. So what was I saying? Yes. Oh, wait, my first OA meeting. Thank you. So I was the youngest, fattest person in the room. Like, so I felt uncomfortable and I didn't want what these women had. They were um, so nice. They wanted my phone number. I gave them my phone number and they called me relentlessly for two weeks. Like, I'm like trying to like binge and they're like, Hey, how are you doing? I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe I answered it. Cause I like avoided phone calls all the time. And, um, anyway, I just kept going, you know, and, um, it took me like a couple months till I got a sponsor and, um, <clears throat> I, I don't know, like there was something about the women in the room that I started to become attracted to and they had like life in their eyes. And like, if you looked into my eyes before program, they were dead. And like, yes, I was like very unhealthy and I, and I have pictures that I forgot to, I don't have them. I'm sorry. Um, if you look at the pictures, you can see how much older I look in those pictures. And I got absent and I was 25 years old. I'm 31 today and I feel younger than I did then. Um, which is crazy. Cause I'm always like, Oh, I'm getting, getting closer to 35. Like at first I was getting closer to 30 and I'm like, Oh my God, but I'm like super healthy today and happy, you know? And like, that's all I ever wanted. And, um, so anyway, I, I started to become attracted to that and I wanted that they were having problems in their lives and they would share about in the meetings and they would still be abstinent and still be happy and content, you know? And like, I realized that all I ever wanted in life was to be content and to be happy. And, um, and also be a smaller person, but I started to not really care about that, you know, and excuse me. Um, and, um, I worked the steps, um, not very rigorous, rigorously. Um, I got on a meal plan and I lost 200 pounds in like three and a half years. And like, that was insane. I'm like the way I ate though, like eating all day to eating three meals a day and a snack, it's it was kind of easy to lose a hundred pounds. Cause like you, you shock your body. Like my body's like, wait, what, where does food go? You know, like you're going to stop now and you're going to eat later, you know? And then the, the second, um, a hundred was really hard. Um, and, um, so I lost all the weight and I got a really big ego, like huge ego. I'm like perfect timing. Yes. Oh, this is the ego time. Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, huge, huge ego. Um, I felt like I was the superstar of OA. Um, I had two surgeries to remove extra skin on my body because I was so obsessed about my outside appearance still. And I like completely missed the idea of this program. It had nothing to do. Yes. It has part, a part, little part of it being weight loss, obviously, but like I was 400 pounds and 200 pounds and as miserable, the same amount of miserable, and, you know, that's when my, like, program went a little dry, and I still stayed abstinent, but I hated everybody. I hated OA. Um, I was involved in all of, like, the, what's it called, intergroup stuff, and I, I like, had to step at, back from that because my, it was, because it was all ego-driven. I wanted everyone to know how great I was, and, like, it's not about me. It's about God. It's about this program and, and about sponsorship and about, um, like, taking everything I thought I knew about my life and 
putting it away and like not my will, you know, my will puts me in my house at 400 pounds with no life, you know, like God's will puts me here in front of you guys today, you know, and like I am, did not plan to be this person, you know, so it's gotta be God, you know, I I was, I'd be dead today and I, I'm the way I ate for sure. I would be either in a bed or on that TV show, my 600 pound life, like seriously. Cause I like, like attention too. And I would love to be on that show and pretend to follow the direction of that guy. Ooh, like they, they like, it's that, if you guys ever seen that show, they lie so much. And I, I get that. Cause like the shame, like the, the, the guy binges for a month and he goes to get weighed and, and he gained like 30 pounds and the doctor's like, have you been following the meal plan? He goes, yeah, I swear I've been following it. And I just, I'm like, I get that. Like I lied so much in the beginning because I, I just like didn't want to do the hard work. I didn't want to like fully concede to my innermost self that I had this addiction and I had, and I was powerless, you know, but I did. And like, it was the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's the best thing I've ever done. And, um, I got a new sponsor after this ego relapse. I, I don't know. And, um, um, she like taught me about love and loving myself and, and higher power stuff. I like re- I went through the steps again, made all my amends and really, really learned what this program meant. And it's that like the inside thing needs to be fixed bef- before any of the others out, like you can't fix an outside, you can't fix an inside problem with the outside thing, you know? And, um, I fixed my insides. Like it took them about I've been working here for, for three years now and, and my weight's gone down a little bit more. Um, but that doesn't matter to me anymore. Like I love life. I go to bed every night and I, <clears throat> and I kiss my cat good night and I go, I just love my life. And I know that sounds so corny, but I truly, truly do. And I wake up in the morning and kiss her again and I go, good morning. And like, go have a cup of coffee and like, don't have a problem getting dressed today. I don't, you know, I don't have so much concern about my outsides and, um, I am, have great relationships with my family and I love them and accept them for, for the madness that is the Jewish Italian family that I grew, that I grew up from. Um, and I know right now you can see why I have a food problem. Matzo, matzo balls, pasta. Yeah. Um, And like I show up for life today and that's like a huge part of this program too. Um, that's what keeps me like abstinent is like, I, I keep my commitments. I show up when I say I'm going to, um, I sponsor women who I absolutely adore and have helped them and they keep me abstinent too. And I like check in with my sponsor, work my steps and, and like, I just like, I'm so grateful that like, um, I fix the inside and the outside, like portrays that and like um my eyes are alive today and I have desires and dreams and aspirations I'm going to school to be a drug and alcohol counselor um I graduated college already but that was like that was like the first take you know like this is the second take and I and I show up for class and I'm there every day and I raise my hand and I'm of service and I I practice the principles from this program at school and I got all A's this semester and like it's crazy like um, I got one A once and, and it was in like TV production. That was, that was literally, we just played with computers, like TV stuff all day. But, um, and I'm in a band also. And I love to sing. And I was asked to sing last night at the opening ceremonies and yeah, 
Thank you. And um, I would have never done that if I wasn't in this program. And that was like one of my dream come trues. So I'm so, so grateful. And I'll, um, I want to wrap up really quickly with a higher power story. Uh, I was with my sponsor. We were on a hike. And my higher powers represented hummingbirds and other things. And uh, we were on this hike. And we did her second step step afterwards and we were on the hike and I'm like I just am so grateful like this is so beautiful and I said God can you please come and hang out with us like I was just saying that and all of a sudden a hummingbird just like appeared out of nowhere and like that's how my higher power works and like that's how I believe this program works because like anything's possible you know so that's it thanks for listening you guys (laughs) I was just reading that Moderator, midway through the final speaker, collect the ask basket and sort the questions. Well, okay. Um, it's time for the, well, it's time for, qu- I'll say ask a basket or questions. I, we don't even have papers. So I'm, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I will ask the sorted ask a basket questions of the panel. Christian, what do you think? Now, um, <laughs> if there are not enough questions for the time, you can open the floor for sure. I love it. Um, any questions? Yes. Did you just say which big plan of eating was? Mine? Yes. Oh. <clears throat> okay, so someone asked me what my plan of eating was. I, um, I eat three meals a day and a snack, um, and it's moderate meals, and I don't have anything that I abstain from. And if it's something that I have a hard time with, I kind of just, like, learn from it and, like, not have that again for a while or not keep it in my house. Um, and I've been able to, to work my program that way and, and having like diet, well, everyone's thing is different, but having restrictions or anything would just set me up to, to binge on it. Like that's just how mine works. So yeah, it's pretty much anything that in moderation and the portions are pretty small at this point. Cause apparently you don't need that much food. I, I didn't know that. So <laughs> yeah, that's my, that's basically it. Sure, much, much like typical psychology of me, I, I'm like, oh, let's gloss over that part. Oh, the question was, um, I talked about, I mentioned I had a plateau period, which was years. And, and the question is, how did I, what did I do to break the plateau to get out of it? Um, it what it came down to was I had to be willing to truly look at the food I was eating, even though I was abstinent. You know, like the, I've heard from many people, they say you can... You can be abstinent and still be gaining weight or ma- maintaining a weight that's not healthy for you. And I was doing that. And I had to really look at my food and say, what needs to get surrendered? What do I need to surrender up to God and say, I can't, ha- I can't do this anymore? And it ended up being um, processed. The e- basically, I call it the easy foods are all off my list. There's no such thing as going to an easy restaurant. Like, if I go to a restaurant, I have to really be, like, sometimes the only thing I can get is a salad and pray that there's somehow not that the lettuce isn't processed. I, um, it's, it's, it was giving up the comfort foods, the things that I didn't see as a problem, but they really were a problem. I just needed to be honest with myself and with my sponsor. I, we had to sit down and really, I kept about a month's worth journal of food of everything that went in my mouth. And, and, um, thank God he didn't ask what time, um, but it went into my mouth and we had to go through that list and just, he got a red marker 
he, he was in education, so he loved the red marker. And he would just, he would cross off the things on the list going, that's not going to work for you. He goes, this is not how people lose weight, eating this. This is not how people lose weight doing this. He goes, if you are serious about getting on this losing abstinence, these are the foods that have to disappear from your diet. And it was, it, it was very, cha- it's very challenging today still, but I've gotten used to it. It's basically a lot more veg. I eat tons and tons of vegetables. There is a price you pay for eating lots of vegetables. Um, and, but funny enough, I, I, I giggle about it every time, um, like a little kid, but there it's a lot more vegetable and a lot, and I don't do any processed foods. Um, I don't do white flour and I don't do white sugar. That's been something I haven't done for the, for 12 years. But I, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't do rice flour, even though I can do these other flours. I've never eaten rice noodles and been like, oh my Lord, I have to have a whole nother bowl. Um, I don't even finish what's in the bowl, but it's still, I can do these other ones. But again, we move into the processed food category, unless it's, I'm making it at home from scratch. It's probably processed. So, so much has gotten cut out with the processed food thing that I only eat fresh foods and not even organic, just fresh foods but they end up being, tend to be the organic foods and organic meals. And that's how I broke the, that is how the, and the Zumba broke the plateau. Being more active, eating way healthier calories and less calories, the basic recipe that I had the hardest time with, and I still do. ego. (laughs) Um, Sure. Yeah, we can both get it. Um, This question's asked every time I do a panel because it's very, oh yeah, I'll repeat the question. Um, How do you handle comments that people make about your your weight loss when it's happening? And also, um, what was that last part? Oh, your ego. How do you keep your ego in check when that happens? So I... Like I said, when I was sharing, it's not my, it's not me who's doing it. It's God. And like normal people won't get that. So I don't say that. I'm not like people not in a program, like God help me lose 200 pounds. And they'd think I was crazy. You know, um, I just say, I've worked really hard. Thank you. Like that's it. Period. End of sentence. Cause you, I mean, I did work hard. You, I worked hard on my program on the steps, you know, and, and in order for my ego to stay in check, I need to continue to go to meetings, listen to the newcomers and remind myself of where I could be because my disease is outside waiting for me to doing pushups. That's what, that's the saying. My disease is outside doing pushups, waiting for me to like think that an Oreo is a good idea to have in my house because they're not, I can't do that, you know? Cause I'll eat the whole thing and then I'll decide to not eat dinner and then I'll decide to, and then I'll make up for it the next day, you know, and that's just how it works for me. And, and, you know, and I think it's okay to have some kind of ego and some pride in like how you look too. It's important to like have like a good balance of that. So you're like proud of your recovery and your success, you know? Um, so that's like kind of what works for me. Hmm. Ego, no ego here. Um, no, absolutely. Uh, the, the change as I've lost weight, I've gotten, I've started getting attention from 
a set of people that I never got attention from before. Um, I'm not seeking that attention, but my partner notices it. He, um, we both, um, and it makes me, I, I got so used to being invisible, being the fat, invisible person who didn't believe they were lovable or worth looking at or caring about, let alone me caring about myself, that I became very comfortable in that world. And because it was my world for 40 plus, well, for 30 plus years. And now it scares me to death to get it, to have people look at me and see me. Um, it's, it, it sounds weird to my own ears saying it's weird to be seen, but it is. I never realized how invisible I was until I, the weight started coming off to the point where people would notice. And they, you know, the attention, it scares me a bit. It intimidates me because I feel like I, part of me feels like now I, people are going to hold me to this standard. Like if, cause I, you know, the disease in the back of my head is always going, the other shoe's going to drop. You're going to gain all your weight back. You're going to gain your weight. I won't. I'm in this program. I have a higher power. I have amazing fellows and amazing sponsor. I'm not going to, but the, it's not logical. It's the disease. It, it's doing push-ups in the other room. And it's so you're going to gain the weight back. So my fears get all tangled up in there. So the way I get through it is one, I don't look for anyone that I honestly, I quell my ego and say, no, I don't want to know if anyone's looking at me. I don't want to see them looking at me. I, it's okay to just get through my day, what people notice. Now, when I have friends come up and say, oh, my God. I have some friends who haven't seen me for a year, and they're like, oh, my God. Like, you're like, you're a shadow of the man you were. I, I, the only response I have and the only response I was taught by my sponsor is to say thank you. Thank you. I don't, I don't say anything else. I just say thank you. And I think by saying that, that also controls my ego. Because it would be so easy and being, you know, I'm not going to pretend gay men are really vain uh, for the most part. And I, well, I'm going to from my experience and I can be very vain and I finally have a body I'm not ashamed of. And I actually look kind of normal and I could wear kind of, I'm wearing jeans that have the word skinny in the back. Yeah. I never thought there'd be a plan on clothes that say skinny on this body. And, um, and it, I look at them and it just freaks me out. I look at them and I'm like, no way, this is silly. And, the, that would be so easy to be, to go out and be like stuck up about it or be like, ah, I'm the bell of the ball. You know what? I'm not the bell of the ball. I'm not everyone's cup of tea and that's okay. And I am appreciative of that because I don't want the pressure of having to try to impress other people. I tried to do that for 30 plus years outside a program and look where it got me. It got me to 500 plus pounds. Only thing I impressed people with was how much I could eat and how much weight I could gain in such a short time. So I'm so great. That keeps me humble and because I realized this is God's work and I could be, because I could be working out like a crazy person and still be eating enough to make it not worth my time. I could be still doing this crazy, uh, what do they call it? The hamster wheel <laughs> running around in the wheel and not getting anywhere. And I'm not, it's like, and it's only because I, I have a higher power in my life. I have my fellows in this room and all over the world. And I have, uh, a sponsor and I have brothers and sister sponsees who, or sponsors spon Well, we're all sponsees by the same person and a sponsor family. And I have my sponsees who remind me every day. One of them in particular <laughs> reminds me every day of myself and how I was when I first came in. And I love that. And that keeps me humble too. Cause it reminds me I'm one binge away from going right back to that first step back, not first step, but that first stage 
when I walked in these rooms being angry, fat, really fat, angry, sweating constantly, which I still do, but not all the time now. It's not constant. <laughs> and, and not able, being angry and jealous of all these people who weighed less than me and seemed to be able to do what they wanted. Yes. Certainly. We do. It says it here too. If there's not enough questions to fill the time, you can open the floor for shares and workshop questions. I, I feel bad. It's like I don't want to. Hi, my name's T Bird, and I've, I'm in recovery for bulimia, restricting, and compulsive overeating. And um, what happened to me was I was bulimic, and I thought, the, uh, can I send my pictures around while I'm. There, there where I was, where I was sitting, there's a picture book. Anyway, um, I was a bulimic, and I thought I was the greatest thing since sliced bread. I worked for the clinic company, and I was a makeup artist, and um, my ego soared. Um, My mom lived through me vicariously because um, of my looks. So I thought my looks were the only thing that were important. Then when I got up to 288 pounds, I realized, you know what, I am not. I am not, I am not hot stuff. Anyway, gaining to up to 288 pounds brought me down a lot of rungs. And um, so there was a lot of humility in there. But here's what's happened. When, um, when I lost 130 pounds and I wanted to start to come to 100 pounders meetings, I asked my sponsor, I don't know how to share. I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't. I don't know what to say. And she said, you know what? Be yourself. Just be yourself. My personality is like I want to get in the middle of everything and tell people, you know, fun things about life. And when people ask me now or people observe, people that knew me at 288, um, what I say now is I just, I connected with a program and it really, it really did it for me. It helped me get on the right track. And, um, I lost my train of thought. Um, what was I saying? Oh, 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 I know. I try to carry literature with me all the time. And I carry, um, I try to carry dignity of choice because a lot of people are like, well, what do I eat? What do I eat? And I, um, I keep some other literature with me and I always have my picture book. Um, if I see somebody out in public that must be hurting because I know that suit that I had on was a lot of pain. So that's the main thing for me. I, um, I carry my book, I carry literature. And when I have an opportunity where I have a chance to talk somebody and somebody that I know that needs to lose weight or wants to, um, I just, I'm just myself. And one time I told my sponsor, I need to take it down a couple of rungs because I am so happy and full of joy. And she said, you know what? Just be yourself. And so thanks. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you. Yeah. 
The question was, um, do, you have, uh, do you have a goal weight? And do you use a scale to track your direction towards that goal weight? And uh, I think that's it. Um, so, yes, I have a goal weight. <laughs> um, the goal weight, uh, my goal weight, I'm actually, for the first time in a long time, it's like within sight. So I'm excited about that. Um, and it's not far off. And it's not a goal weight set by my doctor or anything like that. I, I consult with my doctor, but she's really happy with what I've done so far. But um, the goal weight actually was a weight from when I was younger, and I was at this weight, and I looked so amazing. I looked at a picture the other day, and I'm like, oh, you were hot. But I thought it was so ugly and unlovable that it, it didn't matter. I could have been 100 pounds, and I would have thought I'd still gross and disgusting. And, um, but I, I know that weight was really healthy for me, and it felt really good on my body. Um, and yes, I only use, I don't use a scale. I'm a, I'm a crazy number person. You start telling me numbers and I lose, I obsess and I lose my mind and it will lead me right back to the food. Um, because the numbers are never the number I want. It never makes me happy. Even when they've been going down, I, my disease, I'm, I'm crazy. I will find a way to not be happy with it, even though it's nothing, but should be nothing but joy. Um, and uh, I only use – I do the scale at my, when I go see my doctor. I see my doctor. And the nice thing is that makes me – it forces me to see my doctor regularly. Um, I usually see her once every uh, – I usually see her once every couple of months. Um, and it's uh, – and I tell the nurse not to tell me, but, oh, her nurse is a stubborn one. She refuses to not tell me the weight. Um, and even though it's gone down, she goes, I don't know why now you don't want to hear it. And I'm all, because it makes me crazy, but you don't seem to care. <laughs> and so, um, and, and it does, like, I feel like she just doesn't care, <laughs> um, because I've asked her so many times politely and lovingly, please don't tell me the weight. You don't have to announce it. It's fine. I don't need to know it. But she, I, for whatever reason, she feels she needs to control. <laughs> like I'm not familiar with control issues and, and do that. But um, that keeps me sane because I'm able to let go of that number because give, give me a few days and I'll forget it. I'll push it out. Um, so for me, um, yeah, the doctor's office, I always – I don't like to see my weight. My, I've seen a nutritionist. She weighs me when I meet with her. And I'm in the doctor's office. I turn around, don't even look at the scale, and, and I'm like – like, please don't tell me. Like, don't even write it down and put it near me because I will f look for it. Like, that's how crazy my disease is. And, like, they put it on the computer and stuff. And then they give you, like, a printout thing. And they – and they one time they even crossed it off in, like, marker for me. And I still, like, was able to read it because I put it up to the light. Like, that's how crazy – like, I'm like, you cannot even put it on there. Like, you don't understand, you know? So – they don't get it because they're like, well, aren't you proud of yourself for like, you know, for losing all this way? I'm like, yeah, but if it's going to drive me nuts because it's not about my weight. And yes, it's, it's concerning when it comes to health for sure. I totally get that, you know? Um, and that's why, like, I still see nutritionist. She's helping me. Um, like I've maintained this weight for about two years now and I'm still overweight according to like my BMI and my goal would be to like get down to like 170 one day, but I'm just taking it one day at a time and you know, happiness is more important to me at this point. So thank you for your question. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so her question was, how do you stay motivated? Yes. Um, to lose another 100 pounds when you have a war. When you lost 100 pounds, you need more. You have more to lose. Um, yeah, that's tough because, you know, for me, when I lost 100 pounds, I was like, isn't that enough? Like, I, like come on. But it wasn't. You know, like my body wanted to go, wanted, I, I needed more recovery, first of all. And the way I stay motivated was, I just like, there were days I wasn't motivated at all. There were days where I wanted to throw in the towel and be like, F this, like, this is too hard. Like, I'd rather have the food. It's too, it's so much easier. But like, I just didn't stop. I kept going to meetings. I kept working with my sponsor. I kept seeing a nutritionist who helped, who has helped me with my meal plan. And eventually the willingness came and like it, it ebbs and flows. Like this month I'm, I'm super willing and super motivated and my weight's gone down a little bit and I'm like, um, but there are months where it's like, it's like nails on a chalkboard annoying, like to like follow a meal plan and like, and like go to a meeting and stuff. But like, because I know that and I've been in recovery for six years, I know that it's the ebbs and the flows ebb and flow and I'll get out of that. And I know that like the bad dips are going to be good dips, you know? Um, and it's not always, it's not so black and white, you know, and it's very fluid and, um, that's how I say motivated. I don't know if that helped. Um, how do you stay motivated once you've lost a hundred pounds it, or more? And, um, for me, it's a lot of it's med- a lot of it's medical. I'm a type two diabetic. Um, but interestingly enough, I didn't become a type two diabetic until after I lost my weight. Not, not when I was at my highest weight or in my higher weights. Um, I can't explain that. I figured that the higher power has, well, you know, I say God has a sense of humor. I don't find any of it funny, but hey, it's still there. He's, he gets a kick out of it or it gets a kick out of it at some point. So, um, but I, um, for me, it, it comes down to, honestly, I feel better. I like that I could walk up multiple flights of stairs when I only could walk up like four or five and I'd be out of breath and sweating like I was working out. But now I can walk up multiple flights of stairs and I think, like, it doesn't even intimidate me. It doesn't even think. I used to go to my chiropractor, of all places, my chiropractor, and I'd take the elevator up to level two. And it's like one, literally one flight of stairs. <laughs> but now I take the stairs up and down and, uh, because I can. Um, so that keeps me motivated because I, as I've lost more weight, it's, it, I feel better. And that feeling better, I did not know I could feel this way. I'm 47, and I feel better than I did when I was 35. And, uh, you know, I, I just feel way better. And I, I do more activity. I'm physically active. And I, I, I'm happier. And it's not, necessarily, it's not because of the weight loss itself. It's the lifestyle that's accompanied my weight loss that keeps me motivated. That I get endorphin rush when I do my Zumba. So I get this, I, God, I'm such a Zumba person. It drives me nuts even hearing it out my mouth all the time. But it, the endorphin rush is unbelievable. Like I don't, I never understood why people, you know, screaming in the gym and working out so hard and they love it. They seem like they're loving it. And I'm like, that's disgusting. How could you love this? One, you're gross. Two, you smell. Three, you're noisy. And now I'm, I smell, I'm sweaty, I'm noisy. And I'm even in a class and I'm in a room with, really loud music and crazy people and we're all sweating like farm animals and loving every minute of it. And I get it now. I totally get it. That keeps me motivated too. Cause the exercise is what really helps me with my weight loss because no matter what I eat, I know I'm not eating more than I can work off. 
And that's been a blessing. And that, that's been a switch. But it's really just feeling better. I love how I feel. And I love being happier. And it's not because of the weight loss, but it's because of the endorphins. <laughs> and it's just not being sore. No sore knees, no sore hips, no sore back, no more. I, I, so much of me is so much better. So I, that keeps me going, too. I just wanted to add one more yeah, thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I was thinking more about it. I, what keeps me motivated is, like, when I'm, when I'm in the food, I don't like who I am, you know? And, like, people have told me when I'm in the food that you're a bad friend, like you're, you're absent minded, like you're not good at your job. And like, when I'm not in the food, I am a good person. And like, that's motivation enough is like, I want to be like a good person and put out good stuff into the universe instead of bad stuff. So yeah, we have time for like a few more. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, hon. I'm Elaine, a compulsive eater, and I come up. I'm come up because I think of myself as a cautionary tale, and I'm hearing a lot of things that I identify with. So I'm going to do this as quick and dirty as I can. I joined OA in 1972. I was 26 years old. I weighed 320 pounds, and um, The person who got me to the meeting was um, a person that I was in group therapy, and she had um, weighed, I think, 330 pounds and lost 150 pounds. And I wanted what she had, which is that she could cross her legs and I couldn't. And um, so, uh, and this is what she taught me. I took her advice, and I uh, decided to abstain from sugar and flour, and, um, and then the rest of it was sort of open for me. And I abstained from sugar and flour for 12 years, and I lost 185 pounds. No, yes, 185 pounds. And, um, yeah, and I went from 320 to 135 you do the math. I don't know what I lost. And, um, and then I broke 12 years of abstinence at my girlfriend's house uh, with a, by the light of the refrigerator door with a piece of stale white bread. Now, we're talking about ego, so I want to speak to that. Here's the thing. My ego was uncontrolled. I thought I had done it. And, and in my life, it was the most important achievement I ever had. So when I broke my abstinence, um, I didn't have the humility. I see other people who do this, and what they do is they come to the front of the room and they say, I broke my abstinence and I need help. So uh, I didn't do that. I stayed around the periphery for a while, but then nobody wanted what I had anymore, and I was uh, very deflated, so I left. I turned that 185-pound weight loss into a 260-pound weight gain. And I, um, and this was, uh, so I was just shy of 400 pounds. And I never thought, by the way, I was gone for 29 years, almost 30 years, almost 30 years in the desert is what I call it. And I never thought I'd make it back to OA. And so... In my mid, 
I think it was my mid 40s, um, 92, and yeah, 92. I was about in my mid 40s. I'm 71 now. I uh, went to UCLA and I had a gastric stapling because I never thought I'd make it back. And um, I like to talk about the fact very briefly. This is all I'm going to say about this. Um, I've seen there are a number of people in in the fellowship who have had bariatric surgery of one kind or another, and and someone very close to me has had it. But when she had her surgery, she took up running. And when I had my surgery, I wasn't in OA. I took up baking. Okay, so do I have to tell you? And and I they made me lose a hundred pounds. And uh, before I did it, and by the time I made it back to OA, I was still 270 pounds, and that was in September of 2013. <clears throat> and, um, okay, another thing I want to talk about. This is very hopeful. I was in my mid-40s. I could not walk two, two doors down the road without a cane. I had... Um, high blood pressure and uh, high cholesterol. but um, And I love this body because I didn't get heart disease, I didn't get cancer, I didn't get diabetes, with all the stuff that I had done to it. And um, uh, so since then, um, I have uh, lost, well, I'm like 150 now or something. Okay. And from 270. And, um, and I don't bake anymore. <laughs> I don't bake, and, and, you know, and, I, and my abstinence is different, but it's a defined abstinence. And I, I have a, a personal view that none is easier than some. You know, um, if, if there's something that sings to you, it's easier not to eat it. And, um, um, and here's what... And I was also talking about motivation. And in my experience, and now it's about 15 years of experience total, motivation waxes and wanes. And I know something about, this is the most important thing I want to say. I know that if I stay in the meetings, I know this for, for a fact from experience, if I stay in the meetings, because I'm capable of any kind of crazy thing, my future is unpredictable. But if I leave the meetings, it's 100% predictable. And that's what I wanted to share very quickly. Thank you. Thank you. Five minutes. Okay. Does, any, before you, does anyone else want to share that hasn't shared yet? Or have a question? Yeah. Sorry. Thank you. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so the question was, what advice w would you give someone who has been in the program for a while and has gained weight and and has lost hope for it? Yeah, I would say stay. I mean, I've heard many stories of people in recovery that have been going to meetings for years and didn't get it until they did, they get it, you know? And, like, but they didn't leave. Because, like, for me, if, like, I was in this program and gaining and not doing well, I would stay because it's, like, ten times worse out there without this program, you know? 
And like, it's just like, and if you have a sponsor, I'm trying not to be so specific, but if you are in the program and it's not working, find something else that works. Like get a, get a new sponsor, get a new uh, plan of eating or go to different meetings. Like there's so many different plans of eatings. There's so many different ways that people sponsor and there's so many different kinds of meetings wherever you are. And like we always suggest going to like six or more to decide if you actually are going to do this program. And it takes people longer than that sometimes, you know, and like, like just don't ever give up hope because that's what the disease wants you to do. You know, it, it wants you to give up to go back into its arms. You know, my mind tries to do that almost on a daily basis. And I'm like, no, I, I'm going to choose this instead. So just hang in there. Okay. Yeah. Did you want to answer that? I'm just going to say, you're not, you're not, we have a thing called terminal uniqueness. You're not unique. I went through the same thing. Um, I gained weight when I, when I came into the program, I, and then I kept it on, um, for many, many years. My, my sponsor actually said one thing to me, which I will never say to my sponsees, but he said it to me. He goes, be careful. You don't want to become a fat prophet. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even have to ask him what that was, but I, it really, it bugged me when he said that. And I kind of had to discuss that with him, but, um, it's no problem. Be a fat prophet. Cause I want you to keep coming into these rooms who gives a damn what someone calls you and other people's judgment is none of your business. The only judgment you, you, that you can deal with is your own. Don't lose hope. Faith, hope, hope is the absence of fear. And when we lose hope, that, that's where we go to is fear. Like, I'm scared this isn't working. I'm scared I'm not getting this. Don't lose hope. Keep your faith. Keep going there. And uh, keep, keep staying, coming to the meetings. Keep calling your sponsor. If you don't have a sponsor, go get one because they'll give you hope like in spoonfuls every day or gallons if you need it. And uh, that, that's, how, that's what kept me going when I was gaining weight and sitting in program. Yet I was even abstinent and I was still gaining weight. So I, I, I know that. I know that pattern very well. And I, when I was getting that way, that's when I really leaned on my fellows, my sponsors, and my friends in program, who are my fellows, but also they were a little bit closer, too. Do we have a question? Oh, sorry. Oh, do we have a, and we're almost done. Okay. Uh, hi, my name is Lynn. I'm a compulsive overeater. I just want to make a comment because I'm working on that right now, that specific thing. Um, I'm doing a four-step right now on beliefs I have about myself. One of them is I don't believe I'll ever get to goal weight. But that is a concept that I'm working the step around. I did one, two, three. I did four. Before I came here, I did number five. I gave it away to my sponsor. And as I read it to her, I thought, this is ridiculous. I'm going to a convention where I'm going to go to a 100-pounder meeting. I'm going to see people where it works. So the first thing is my sponsor always says, which I hate, is work the steps around that one belief. And just focus on that one. And the second thing I remember is, like, I just retired, and I've been through horrendous emotional and uh, emotional stuff. And I always have to remember it's a three-legged stool. Sometimes I'm making leaps and bounds in the emotional issues, um, which led me to things I never thought I would do before, like go seek professional mental health help. And I'm glad you brought that up because it has changed my world. And um, even going into an inpatient program where I met people who were struggling like I was, and it was okay there. And before that, I had suppressed it. So, And also, I always ask myself, if OA isn't working for me, 
it's because I'm not working every single thing they have to offer. And I did think that meditation and mindfulness was like hocus pocus. Um, I poo-pooed it. And then I went to the inpatient therapy program at Kaiser, and they had experimental meditation, tai chi, and I found out I loved it. It calmed me down. And so this morning I went for the mindfulness thing. It's what I need. It's the missing piece that I was looking for that I thought, I don't need it. It's crazy. I'm a Capricorn. I'm intelligent. I'm a college-educated person. And, you know, meditating on your belly button. Well, today we were doing a mindfulness thing with our fingers. It totally relaxed me. So don't forget, it's an entire program. It's spiritual. It's emotional. And it's physical. But working the steps around the physical is what I'm doing. OA works for me when I work every single thing. Just to prove them wrong, every single thing they have to offer. Thanks. Okay, sir, it's all the time we have. Uh, so if you have any questions, I'll be around later. I don't know about you. Thank you all. Um, <laughs> it's kind of weird being your own moderator. Thank you all for sharing your experience, strength, and hope. It is now time to close the session. Please stand and join hands as we close with the third step prayer. As I knock over.